Hello and welcome back to Let's Grow Girls, your weekly dose of flowers. And this week we're joined by Melissa from The Real Bloom Company, based here in Lincolnshire in the UK. And Melissa, you are in your first few years of flower growing, right? Yep, yep, first few years. Welcome, hi. very exciting. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. I, uh... I'm really excited. This is my first podcast, obviously, because I'm only in my <laughs> second year of growing. So it feels a bit strange to be on the podcast. The second year, wow. Well, I think it's great for the listeners to hear from somebody who's you know, still in the early stages, because a lot of the people will, who listen are in those same sort of stages as you are. Yeah, it's... Uh, I say my second year, that's probably a little bit of a... Uh, of a like I've grown for a long I've grown flowers for a long time just not on not on mm. the scale that I'm growing now the scale is uh quite different actually uh quite overwhelming but yeah I had an allotment from probably 23 when I uh got my allotment kind of grew fruit and veg wasn't really bothered about it and then got given some flower seeds mm-hmm. and then that's kind of where the the love began but that was like Bob's your uncle. seven years ago now so so I've been growing for seven years but not commercially not on the scale that I grow now mm-hmm. so yeah big 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 change big difference still feel very inexperienced yeah talking of the scale you're on now talk to us how big is your patch that you're growing on so it, well it's changed from year to year so the first year I grew on about a quarter of an acre and that was purely down to time capacity as literally like I will mm-hmm. fill as much of the field that I can and then this year we've kind of extended the field so we've got about I think it's just under an acre we're, ah. we're aiming to fill it but it's it's still quite hard we're still we're still growing we're still like building the like the kind of the infrastructure Mm -hmm. of a flower farm so we've got one we've got one commercial polytunnel that we do we have two beds in it and then we we have like one side that is our kind of seed starting potting on area so we can only hold so many seedlings in there at any one time this year we are getting we're getting a second commercial polytunnel i was lucky enough to have a neighbour who was closing down a nursery and offered me it for free. So, I, yeah, I oh my up. goodness, the dream, yeah. <laughs> the dream. She's so lovely. Couldn't um, get yeah. it quick enough, I bet. Oh my god, yeah, literally. Well, I haven't actually been and taken it down yet. She, uh, she's got a few little bits in there that she wants to just see through this season, and then she, at the end of the season, we can go go take it down and pop it up in our field. Excellent. So, that's going to be dedicated to to things like seed starting potting on because we just don't have you know we don't have enough space we we don't have any green like we don't have a greenhouse or anything like that we just we do all our tunnel at the minute so scaling up is hard when you haven't got lots of space Mm -hmm. to to kind of nurture the seedlings we're really lucky we have two extra acres that we do absolutely nothing with because Mm -hmm. we just never have time to do anything with it we, we kind of maintain it at the minute who knows what the future holds we'd love to extend in the future or or kind of do something with it we've got a few a few ideas but not nothing really set in stone but we'd love it to involve like cut flowers or potentially growing like seasonal british foliage we don't know we mm-hmm. we need to sit down and plan a bit more which 
never tends to happen around here we never have the time (laughs) (laughs) so have you are you just lucky enough to have a ginormous garden or have you is this a space you're you're renting outside of your garden so I should probably go back seven years when I had my allotment and I was on this kind of flower journey like discovering that I love to grow Mm -hmm. flowers my life has been very orchestrated around this job so like probably when I was about 25 I'd love to work with flowers I didn't know how I was going to do that I didn't know in what format and I think it was around this point that I stumbled across Florette and kind of a a couple of other people online Mm. I'd ordered a few books and I was reading books about growing flowers that was kind of where the dream started oh I'd love to I'd love to grow flowers on a scale that it could be my my full-time job Mm. and then got obsessed with the idea and was figuring out how on earth we were gonna kind of afford to start a flower farm. We lived in Hull. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not originally from mm-hmm. Lincolnshire. Probably tell from my accent. Yeah, Hull, Hull's not known uh, for its for its uh, green fields and flowers, right? Well, not no, no, not really. So we lived, yeah, we lived in Hull at the time. We were in like a three bed townhouse, and I was like, we need, we need land, and we need space, we need to be somewhere else. And we always mm-hmm. knew we were going to move. We we're going to move at some point. Well, it started out as a move with a big garden. When we were lucky, we were like, right, we just need like a, a house, maybe a maybe a doer upper house with a big garden. That'd be great. They were they were too expensive, so we were like, right, okay, what's next? Okay, let's let's find something that like really needs doing up, like something that needs the full work. Still too expensive. And then we came across this. It was a derelict house. It was a house with a tree growing through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came with three acres of land and plans to demolish and build it, pretty much. So we we yeah we made an offer and we got it. And then what are we doing? I think we're building a house. Uh, embarked on a big fat two-year house build journey just so that I could have a flower farm which uh, (laughs) I'm sure my husband was delighted about so yeah that kind of that takes us back to like I think that was probably about three or four years ago now we self-built so we couldn't really afford to have a a dedicated builder for us locked out our lockdown project was our house and we watched Mm -hmm. YouTube videos and built our own house and then moved in Oh my goodness. I hope my husband's listening to this episode because where you were is kind of where I am now, you know, getting not quite in a position to buy the bigger place money-wise yet, but we're looking and like I'm wondering what, clearly I just need to find a piece of land with a house that's got a tree growing through it and I'm golden, right? Husband yeah. can watch a few YouTube videos and Bob crack Shankle. on. Mm, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that easy, isn't it? honestly. <laughs> it was probably, we, we were... You we made were, it sound really easy. So we just like watched a few YouTube videos and then and built a house built. on our flower farm. Yeah. Boom. You know, the rest of us were watching videos on how to make flipping sourdough starters and there were you, you know, carpentry and, and yeah, cement. <laughs> we were so naive going into it. We kind of mm-hmm. laughed, but like in a traumatised way about like the house building. <laughs> It was such a uh, it was such a journey. I'm like it's easy as well for me to kind of sit here and be like, mm-hmm. 
oh, you know, we watched YouTube and then we built a house. But yeah, there was a lot of really, really long days, a lot of hard work, probably some tears. And I have to say as well, like my husband is just one of these people that is like everyone calls him jammy, like whatever he turns his hand to he's kind of he kind of just gets it first time it's really it's really annoying but it's also really handy when you need somebody to build your house i was gonna say he sounds he sounds irritating yeah and he was he was the he was the like the driving force behind the house build then halfway through the house build that's true love yeah (laughs) and you're still married which sounds impressive I'm still getting him to build things like I've got I've got a barn I need building now <laughs> we uh yeah we're, you're like we're... hey sweetie what about the irrigation we need it all over three acres thank you yeah yeah pretty much that's what I want for Christmas pretty much oh no that was um our my first wedding anniversary from him was an automated irrigation system and I've got an app on my phone Ooh, sexy. Wow. that's a keeper right there <laughs> He's a very practical person. I wouldn't be getting like a romantic gesture off him. He's just very practical, bless him. Well, let's face it, you don't want the flowers because you're growing those yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, so then halfway through this house build, I obviously thought it was a great time to, because I was just so excited. Start your business. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really good time to start the business. So I started prepping the field. Two and a half years later, I'm kind of, we have Mm -hmm. the house, the the structure, the house is finished. We're living in it. We're still decorating bits and bobs, but it is pretty much finished. But um, Mm. I'm flower farming, which feels very, very surreal, but really, really good. that I'm finally here and like actually doing it. It's, yeah, it's really nice. So when you were halfway through this build, you know, I imagine, you know, knee deep in cement and <laughs> wood and goodness knows what else. I've never built a house, I'm not sure. Nails, <laughs> tools, etc. And you said, just hold my hammer, husband. I'm going out to dig a bed. I bet he knows you well enough to just let you go and do it rather than uh, enforce the hammer usage. But where did you start? You know, did you, did you just think, right, I need to get this... I need to get this done today or did you have a plan in mind I mean obviously you know you didn't just stumble upon this you've been planning it for a while so did you know what you were going to do first how did you just go about things because it was kind of seven years in the making I had spent night after night you know kind of thinking how would I do something you know if I was to do it and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm also I'm a control freak very Mm -hmm. very like hyper organized yeah I had a plan I'd just done so much research that I knew that I wanted to, like, I needed to suppress things in the field. The time when I started kind of working on the field was been about August time. And I knew if I wanted to get a bit of a head start, mm-hmm. I needed to start suppressing, like, we had really, really long grass. It was like a huge paddock. So I just started suppressing all the long grass with you know like weed membrane kind of planning out where I was going to lay things so I was like marking places out marking out where the polytunnel would go that's where it all started and I spent a lot of time kind of working with the soil so doing a soil test understanding what I was working with our field is really 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 sandy which is great like it's got great drainage it's got Mm. like limestone in it so it's 
it's really hard to dig into. So when we did our polytunnel, we had to get like a digger in. We couldn't dig it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't put the base plates in ourselves because it is just so tough to get through. So it was just about seeing what I was working with and preparing. I was preparing to start in the like in the following year, so in the January, mm-hmm. start seed sowing and then planting into it. So at that point, I was just suppressing and planning out, getting organised and just generally being like absolutely raring to go, which I had been for like the last three years anyway, since we got the keys to keys, hypothetical keys to a plot of land. <laughs> Not much need for keys when there's a tree growing through the middle of the house, right? No, yeah, exactly. What did, were you living somewhere else? I'm interested. Were you living somewhere else whilst you were waiting for this house to be built, or were you in like a caravan or something? Yeah, so we we were in a we were in a rented house back in Hull. So oh, we okay. we were traveling. the The traveling part was a bit of a pain as well. So we were traveling about forty minutes, like every day we needed to be mm. building. It was fine though. We got there nagging my husband's take a day off the house build so he could help me put on my polytunnel that was pretty much that was pretty much the first four months so when january rolled around then of this year of that year i should say sorry did you um did you go like whole hog with the seed growing did you know what you wanted to grow know what you wanted to harvest in your first year or did you just think i'm gonna do everything or just stick to three or how did you plan I had notes on my phone. I had Excel spreadsheets of like over the years, like compiling like Maybe lists. I'll after my own and, heart. Yeah, like you know, mm-hmm. screenshots and and kind of you know following all these people on Instagram, being like, oh my god, that's amazing! I'm going to grow that. And I had like such a long list. And being such like a planner, grow. I find growing like really hard because it's so you can't like you you can't plan what's going to germinate you've kind of you can you can kind of preempt mm-hmm. an amount but you you, li- you literally can't plan so I went into it like I, right, everything's perfect like it's gonna go really smoothly I've got all these varieties that I'm gonna grow I'm gonna compile spreadsheets ready for when people are going to buy from me I'm gonna put prices against them and I've done all this work and then at the t- at the time my polytunnel wasn't up so I was starting seeds in our living room and I just had like Ikea <laughs> shelving with like seed trays on it and growing things in windows and everything was pretty much leggy. It was looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I don't even, I can't even believe I got like a single flower out of that year. But yeah, so I started growing them in our living room, like in the windows and certain things started to fail and I was like oh my god like no it's all going wrong but surprisingly I filled a quarter of an acre from growing seeds in our living room and I had more than I could you know could ever harvest from that and the planner in me was having an absolute meltdown because the things that were successful were maybe things that I hadn't even thought that I was going to grow. And then the things that I was like, you know, really wanting to do well, just didn't do well for me. And I think in that first year, it taught me a big lesson. I learned so much about starting seedlings off. Like, I actually think I messaged, me and you messaged Sarah when I was growing them in my living room. You said to me Mm -hmm. about getting the, uh, about getting growing, the growing lamps. So... And yeah, I, like, I was like, yeah, like the grow lights. And so I hooked some up to my IKEA shelving, realized I could get more seedlings. It's literally like I'd done all this research over seven years and 
thought that I would just like go in it'd be great successful and then from day one I was learning new stuff and being like oh my god I need to change what I'm doing like I need to do this and Mm -hmm. I like since since that day I feel like I've been on like literally the most the steepest learning curve ever um and and it doesn't seem to be getting any less steep and I'm like like halfway through my second year I think it'll take me a good five years to feel like I ever know what I'm doing but I think that's the thing with gardening though is you every year everything you do is always got learning to it because every year the weather's different every year the seeds are different you know just takes one little thing to change you know how Mm. how you're doing things like the weather this year here has been I don't know what it's like quite where you are but you're not that far north of me but this Mm. is may but it's like the middle of july it's so hot and dry that you know i'm out there like dousing the sweet peas once a day and some of them have actually fried yeah and i think i started them early i did everything right i treated them mean like roger parsons told me to and here i am with bloody burnt sweet peas because you just can't control what mother nature is going to do and that is the hardest bit i am so with you on the type a control freak personality but with gardening it just teaches you to succumb to it (laughs) you cannot argue with mother nature she's boss yeah absolutely but it's so hard to accept when you're running a business you're like oh my god like how am I ever gonna make money (laughs) like I need control but no surprisingly right surprisingly to me in that first year I I made money and I I absolutely have no idea like how I made the money because I felt like every thing that I thought would go well I was failing like throughout and like at the end of the year Mm. when I kind of sat down and I looked at everything my husband was saying to me, you know, how do you think you've done? And I was like, well, on paper, telling me that I've done well, it's telling me that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I made a profit. But I feel like a total failure. It's so weird. And like, I knew that with gardening. Mm. When I... <laughs> it's really weird. Like, it's such a straight. But then again, like, when you succeed with something, especially with growing, I think when you succeed, you actually feel like such a boss. Like, for example, this year, I. It's my first proper year growing ranunculus on on any scale. And I had a nightmare like autumn, winter with storms and my polytunnel nearly blew away and like loads of kind of <laughs> teething issues. I was literally like, if these ranunculus flower, you know, I'm I'm gonna be gobsmacked. And lo and behold, they did. And they've really, really like gone for it this year. And They've been the most popular thing that I've sold in spring and I'm just, I've fallen in love with them. It just feels like the best feeling ever, but... Welcome to the club. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, so it feels, <laughs> it feels really good. But yeah, there's still a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, the, fit, the I feel like you have the highest highs and the lowest lows with uh, growing, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a roller coaster, that's for sure. Don't worry, I'm not going to start singing Ronan Keating. I, I, I did... <laughs> I did feel like it for a second there. <laughs> oh no, here we go. Um, but in terms of your first year, so what were your main ways that you sold your flowers? I mean, I'm asking and I think I know the answer, but 
tell us. So I sold mostly, or my most successful uh, way of selling was to directly to florists through wholesale. Mm-hmm. I don't know, really know how I formed so many connections so early on. I, I almost feel like it was a stroke of good luck. But as soon as I was mm-hmm. uh, started my Instagram kind of local florists seemed to pick up on the fact that I was going to be growing them and I advertised I said I was going to mm-hmm. sell the flowers that I grew to florists yeah I just set up some really really I managed to get some really really good relationships with people and I had orders every week if not twice a week you know buckets and buckets mm-hmm. going out the door and I think at the minute there's there is a real kind of shift mm-hmm. within the florists floristry industry people are genuinely wanting like seasonal British flowers and I think particularly Mm -hmm. with weddings and things like that people are asking for like seasonal um, British flowers Mm -hmm. yeah I'm getting even like this year my wholesale list has tripled in size you know there's more and more people requesting them Um, and for me wholesale is a really really good kind of channel for me to be able to spend a lot of time in the field and building the farm and building the field and and kind Mm. of not having to go out and sell really hard to like kind of the general public I did do so in my first year I kind of tried a bit of everything I did do farmers markets I did a festival I oh yeah I I did like DIY buckets I kind of just did everything I have a little pink shed at the end of my drive where I just kind of popped over you know kind of overflow from the field where we live we're on like a main country road so we get a lot of passing traffic we get people stopping and just buying things at the shed out of like the little honesty stand but yeah my most successful thing was the wholesale side of it and it's proven to be the same again this year we we have scaled back on the farmers market we haven't actually committed to any at the minute we have been asked to do a few but we've not committed so florists were your biggest seller did you ever feel like you faced a lot of competition in your local area with other flower farmers oh good question i am um, it's really weird because i really I, so i don't think um there is enough growers out there on like a big enough scale to be able Mm to kind of feed the appetite of florists I work closely with a couple of event florists like big wedding florists Mm -hmm. like I I can't you know feed their appetite alone just just my field they would need like say three or four really big kind of or at least like maybe like an acre big flower farmers to be able to Mm. fulfill their weddings. And I know that there's florists out there who, if they could do all British, like seasonal weddings, they absolutely Mm. would because it's, you know, it fits with like a sustainability message. It fits with like an environmental message. I've got some projects that I can't mention that I'm working on in the background where potentially I you know I will use the flowers out of my field but I might need to source other from other flower farmers and actually when I've been to look a lot of my local area I've got flower farmers who grow flowers to kind of sustain their own businesses so they'll do their own weddings and they'll do they will kind of sell at markets sell like DIY buckets but that's to sustain their own business it's not necessarily to wholesale or I think from growing wholesale it is hard on a smaller scale. I think you need to be at, li- well, 
if you were really really efficient on half an acre you might be able to do it but I think realistically you probably need to be on about an acre Mm. to really offer people the variety that is required in wholesale because one week there might be a wedding that requires you know white and green and then the next it might be like a full plethora of colors that are required so you need to be able to grow all those Mm. different colors maybe in the same variety and be able to offer them i do there's definitely people doing growing flowers really well in my area but that's why i kind of chose wholesale because i knew that i had the space to scale Mm. up and I knew that there was an appetite out there. It, well, even before, you know, even before I started selling, there was definitely an appetite because people were actively following me for that reason. So it felt like a no-brainer. And one of the questions I've got about wholesale to florists is last summer I did, I'm not sure what I could call it, maybe like a baptism of fire. I worked a few weddings with a florist to see if, that was where I was interested in going into did I want to be a florist or did I want to be a flower grower I definitely do not want to be a proper florist I wouldn't mind like you know the markets and that kind of thing maybe an elopement or something but my goodness I could have cried doing that floristry and my leg I I think my legs have only just recovered maybe like nearly a year later but (laughs) the florist what she was saying to me is they want the flowers delivered to them they want them first thing in the morning they don't want to have to go out and get them have you found that or have you or do they come to you how does it work I have a real mixture I have had people who will absolutely come and collect and I've got so I've got a group there's kind of like different types of wholesale customers that I generally get so I get a lot of kind of florists who are smaller scale might work out of like their home or they might be just starting up and they generally can't afford to do kind of big, you know, wholesale flower orders. And some places where you buy flowers from require you to have a minimum order value and then they charge quite a bit for delivery. So I get kind of smaller scale florists who who just want a couple of buckets and they're happy to come and collect. Mm. And, and, and that's fine. Usually they'll just come and collect it from my pink shed. And it's nice and flexible for them and for me. I do do. I do do deliveries. And that's generally probably more for the bigger wholesale orders. I've got some kind of big, bigger event florists that are very much on my doorstep. So within like Mm -hmm. a 15 to 20 mile radius of the farm. So they're kind of easy to deliver to. It's not like I'm having to travel further afield to be able to fulfill that. But yeah so it's it's a real mix it's half and half because if, mm-hmm. if a florist is smaller and doing smaller weddings and, re- and the requirement is smaller then they're probably happy to come and collect and actually some people like to just have a nosy at the farm and want to know where they're buying the flowers from so <laughs> i get a lot of people say oh i'll come collect <laughs> <laughs> for the nosy <laughs> And so I know you said your floristy network was a bit of a fluke, but how did you start it off? What was your initial steps? Door stepping, jamming your foot indoors. What was the technique? It's like, like I do feel <laughs> like it was a genuine. It was a genuine fluke. I started my Instagram, and like I had probably 
about three or four different florists follow me that order from me Mm. are still ordering from me now yeah I always thought that I would need to like I had this little plan in my head obviously I had a plan I had this little plan in my head like (laughs) oh I'm gonna I'm gonna take samples around to all like you know the florists in the area and I'll take a bucket of flowers and introduce myself and do all of that and then flower farming is chaotic so I never got around to it but I was you know I was making sales I was selling the flowers to the florist and more and more people as I was selling you know florists were sharing my you know where they'd got their flowers from and I was just getting more and more interest luckily Mm. I've never had to not cold call but I've never had to like approach people myself I think Mm -hmm. if I ever if I ever wanted to like work with someone specifically I would but I just don't I just don't have time I just feel like I don't have time for it at the minute and actually I'm like I'm at the minute I'm selling out of my field every week so it's really hard because it's a balance where I am at the minute I want to sell as much as I can but I I don't want to get people on board and then not be able to sell to them it's a balancing Mm. act if you could go back and tell like day one Melissa I mean I'm not sure what your day one was because it's, I guess, whether it was when like, you back seven years ago, yeah, or maybe or like two year, two year, two years ago, day one, Melissa. If you could tell yeah. her one thing now, what would it be? Oh, uh, chill out a bit. <laughs> like it, it will it, <laughs> give into gen- the flowers. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, just chill out. No, um, like kind of just you know l- allow things to happen. Um, like Mm -hmm. don't try and control everything because I think I think growing on such a big scale I was obsessed and also growing commercially I was obsessed with Mm -hmm. having control growing the right numbers of things the season the flower season doesn't wait for you and if something fails Mm. and it fails in June you are not probably not going to be able to make it back yeah you can't you've got you've just Mm. gotta you've just gotta kind of roll with it a bit and be a bit more fluid so I think that would be a bit of advice and also not to be so hard on myself because I am I am really hard on myself sometimes so I think that that would probably mm. be the best advice I could give myself I wouldn't listen to it like I wouldn't listen to my own advice even if I told myself that but, <laughs> but it'd be worth a try wouldn't it <laughs> that's what I would say I'm still I still don't listen to it now I and I know I need to do that yeah. <laughs> Sarah, was that kind of a twist on the normal end of episode question? I know, I think actually that might have been your question. You might be free from the the finale question. I'm just thinking if uh, what was oh, I no, actually? Oh no, maybe she's got it? something prepared for it, oh, and no. we're going to diddle no, around of the actual. Oh, okay, we can do it twice. <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of it kind of was that. It kind of that was kind of where I was going to go with it. Yeah, but I mean, we did have a couple of extra questions, I suppose, before we get to the absolute end of the episode. But I guess they're kind of linked in a way. In that, what did you grow in your first year that you know you're never going to grow again? or that you hated growing, or that florist just didn't like, pick any of the above. But also, (laughs) what are you focusing on for the coming year? Okay, so things that I am not going to grow again. Do you hate cornflowers too? Oh, corn... No, I don't... I like cornflowers. And florists like cornflowers. (gasps) Sorry. Do they? We just hate harvesting them. We just hate cutting the suckers. Yeah, cut them deep. Cut them deep. Yeah, I just go quite low down. And I ha- like one stem has about four flowers on for me, but yeah, no, I yeah I get requests mm. for because they're quite nice in buttonholes and things like that. I think 
They, yeah, I guess yeah. So. Mm. I think they're quite a nice twiddly flower. I've actually got some that are about to start flowering in the field at the minute. No, I don't. I don't hate mm. them, surprisingly. I don't hate the flower itself. It's the harvesting that just puts me off them. Yeah, fair. So things that I probably wouldn't grow that I grew last year, sunflowers, and that's prob- that might be controversial, but I just they're just a pain. I grew a couple mm. of varieties that were just absolute monsters. They fell over on like mm. two of my other rows, and it like it was like ten o'clock at night, and I was having to like hack them back, and I was just like never again, never again. I I have mm. I have started a few off, but they're like smaller varieties and i've probably only done like half a bed of them maybe that's a job for one of those extra acres <laughs> possibly oh, yeah, possibly. yeah <laughs> maybe but um yeah and i also i'm not a sunflower person i'm just not a fan and florists never ask for them but can i tell you on the sunflower subject that plants of distinction have started selling my all-time favorite american sunflower which is white light have you seen that one i've been desperate to grow it for no. years and it's here no i've never seen it's it got but white petals and a yellow center i mean Ooh, that sounds really wild when you see this sunflower you will be ordering those seeds tonight yeah, I'm gonna. It's I'll give it a Google after this. Yeah, I'm. I. I don't. I still don't. I st- I'm still not convinced. I'm just like. I've. I've just. I feel like I'm traumatized. You just wait and see them. And the trick yeah. that we were told by um, a previous guest was to plant them closer together. The closer you plant them, the shorter they grow. Yeah, mine were planted pretty close together though. I just. I feel like me and sunflowers have fallen out. I need a year off. The- well. I'm still growing them, so I clearly <laughs> don't need a year off them. But I'm like growing a very small amount, a very scaled back amount. What was the other half of your question? What have you got planned for this next year? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I've kind, of, I've quadrupled my amount of dahlias. Uh, you would be glad to hear, Nicole. Nice. <laughs> That's a solid effort. I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were they were they were just so popular. Everyone loves dahlias. Like florists mm. love dahlias. Like people who were stopping by the pink shed thought they were incredible. I just feel like they're a crowd pleaser, and commercially, mm. that's really good. <laughs> I'm growing a lot of so like last year when I was growing and I was mm-hmm. putting bunches together for farmers markets and things like that. The one thing that I kind of or the one the one type of flower i really kind of mm. lacked was like filler or like more of like um you know, like the twiddly bits that you would get in a bouquet mm. so i've grown mm-hmm. a lot of like different grasses this year annual mm. and perennial grasses that can be used as a bit of a filler i'm quite excited oh. about them any any favorites you're looking forward to oh i've never grown like spangle grass or you know like you know you get that is it fiber mm-hmm. optic grass i've never grown them before oh, so yes. i'm Mm-hmm. I'm uh yeah I'm excited to grow them I'm hoping they're not like underwhelming because I do this a lot I get excited and then I'm like oh that's that's upsetting mm. <laughs> I'm hoping that they'll be good oh, gosh I can't think of what else I'm, I'm I'm growing a lot I feel like that's why I can't think of uh <laughs> think of the variety <laughs> I'm um I'm tr- I'm trialing doing like propagating my cuttings from my snapdragons Gemma from Green Rabbit Flowers I've got my one of our most favouritest episodes yeah I wish we'd been on commission for hydropods (laughs) yeah yeah but do you want to hear something hilarious my friend calls it my hydration station (laughs) 
I just, every time she says that it. That northern accent, Sarah. Every time she says it, I die. Because when it's running downstairs, like it's on the, the window sill in the kitchen, and she'll be like, is that your hydration station? <laughs> I mean, I I'm kind it. of a little... I'm kind of a little bit offended because that's totally how I would say. I mean, it's even worse. No, than but that. I love it. I love it. We love a regional on. accent. <laughs> I am, um, but does right. So you have yours running in your ha- in your house. Does it not make mm-hmm. you want to go to the toilet all the time? Because mine's in the utility room, and every time yeah. I walk past, I just need the toilet. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to have it in here in my office where I work all day, and someone on a video call asked me if I was if there was like a water feature in my house, and I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's I. I'm really bougie. I've got a fountain. That's the hydration <laughs> station. That's my hydration <laughs> station. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. That was a terrible northern accent from me, wasn't it? You wouldn't. I don't think you could tell a girl from Bradford with that. I think mine came out like Caribbean. So I mean, you know, accents are not our forte. No. So you're doing your snapdragon cuttings. Back on topic, Sarah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Very, very good. Um. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm doing them in there. And I've got lots of different varieties of them this year, just because I, I grew like a small, I probably grew like half a bed of snaps last year and they were really popular. So, you know, I just thought I would give, give doing, I think I've got about four rows of, four rows of snaps planned this year, which is quite a lot for me. I have like, I think my beds are about 16 or 17 meters of bed. So quite a lot of, quite a lot of snaps. So I'm excited about them. Ooh, I've only that's ever... exciting though. Yeah, and I've, I'm in, I'm just increasing my perennial stock this year as well. Second year flower farmer, mm. I'm still very much in the early stages of kind of building my stock. So I've got the first thing I planted in my field, like the very first thing was 67 peony plants because I can't remember who um, told me, but <sighs> yes. somebody, somebody was like, you need to get them first if you're ever going to be into peony. And peonies mm-hmm. are a fave. They went in. So I'm in my second year with them this year. And actually, I had controversy on my Instagram because I, so in, have you heard the thing where you snip off the buds in the first two yes. to three years? Yeah, so I. Just, you post, you post that on Instagram and you are opening yourself for abuse, mm-hmm. let me yeah. tell you. Yeah, I had a lot of alarmed people. Like, I I did it really nonchalantly as well. Like, oh, can't wait for next year. Like, snip, snip, like snipping the buds off. And, snip, snip. Yeah, and everyone was Fair absolutely well. horrified. Yeah, I find it quite it's easy. It's the same sort of abuse you get when you um, show people that you pulled up your tulip bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I get, mm. I get abuse off my family for that. Like, my stepdad saw me doing it and he was like hang on what like what are you doing when you cut that bulb off can I take it I was like your flowers won't grow out of it and he's like that's a waste that is a waste of a bulb and I'm like I'm really sorry it's just what I've got to do I can't do anything else yep that's that's you just got to brace yourself for it but you'll be able to enjoy those peonies next year it'll be worth oh, yeah. all that pain excited yeah so just perennials so I've got mm-hmm. I started a lot off from seed and I have planned to I think there's about 10 10 beds of perennials and I'm just hoping that they'll 
they'll all survive and they'll carry me through a bit more. And then, you know, flower farming will become easy, mm-hmm. right? Because everything will just grow itself and I won't yeah, have to do anything. <laughs> Year That's three, boom, <laughs> Year three, got it, done it, yeah. <laughs> so, and oh, and, and yeah, last year we planted a full bed of uh, David Austin roses. So that was, that was a big thing. Yeah, they were a, they were a 30th birthday present. Wow. Oh, wow. That's pretty bougie. <laughs> got a lot of time for that. Yeah, well, I'm, I was you know. wood chipping mine today, and I'm exhausted. Oh yeah, they need a lot of work at this time of year, don't they? I've um, I've mulched mine mm. as well, and been I've been weeding them as well. I saw that you'd been weeding yours. It was not fun. It was a thankless. No. It's a thankless task weeding, isn't it? But yeah, it's all done now, and you can hopefully look forward to the bloom soon. But mm. I think we've probably come to the end of the episode now. I think, yeah, we and... probably finished interrogating you. it's fine i've enjoyed it i've had a great a great little chin wag (laughs) that's what we like we like a good flowery chin wag so tell us how do i find you on the internet what's your instagram name so you can find me at the real bloom company on instagram and facebook my website is www.therealbloomcompany.co.uk and if you keep an eye out on there there'll be some really exciting things launching this year but I can say no more because this episode will go out before I've launched it (laughs) I wish I could share well listeners let us tell you that we have had the inside scoop and it is worth checking in for you need you need let's just say i haven't decided whether i hate melissa yet or not based on this news but i'm very jealous (laughs) no hate just love honestly is (laughs) i can't wait for you to launch it it's gonna be super exciting and i'm very um jealous in a good way (laughs) oh thank you well thank you so much for chatting to us we've absolutely loved that and I really hope that the listeners have have learned something for those people wanting to kind of scale up into a bit more of a commercial flower grower rather than just a um, if we've got any garden growers there looking to make the leap but what I've really taken from you is just do it if it's your dream just go out there and get flower growing and that's what we love yeah so thank you ever so much for your time today Melissa we've loved chatting to you and we'll speak to you soon we look forward to all your exciting news oh thank you so much for having me I've uh, I've loved it bye it's outro time thank you so much for listening and for your support we are loving this season so far and we hope you are too if you love the episode as much as we love doing it, then we would be so grateful if you left us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also subscribe and you can find us on Instagram for more of our adventures at Let's Go Girls Podcast. We're really grateful having you here listening to all of our interviews with our amazing guests and we hope that you carry on enjoying the rest of the season. See you next week. Bye. Bye. You sounded really far away when you said that. You sat back. Yeah, because I didn't want to shout at our people, you know.